Out From Work Podcast. My name's Dave Swillam. Let's get ready to hustle. Welcome back to the Waking Up From Work podcast. You're listening to episode 165 of the show tonight. This is your host, Dave Swillam. This is where we get to work, making work a passion, living, creative, full time. If you're new to the show, this is where we interview artists, entrepreneurs, creatives, and people living alternative lives, doing the things that they want to do instead of the things that we feel like we're supposed to do or the things that have always been done and things like that. And uh, this is where we just interview people doing the things that we, that they want to do. And we get to the bottom of that to share uh, things that are working for them, things that are uh, going on out there, things that might help you and uh, share some stories and create community of people who are creating some cool shit. So I would like to welcome on Today, like many of my guests, a multifaceted type of person doing a bunch of different shit. I've got Andrew Oliver coming here from Greenville, South Carolina. He is a musician. He is an entrepreneur. uh, And he is a content creator as well. And we'll kind of jump in to all those different things that are created from those different things throughout the show here. But all of uh, Andrew and I have uh, rescheduled like three times. Two of them are 100% me from being absolutely bodaciously sick. And one time because Andrew is being an awesome dude and helping out. I think I'm sorry. I don't know if it was your uh, your part. It was your partner's uh, business opening or something like that. Right. Yeah, there's a big meeting for that. And I wanted to be supportive and and make sure I was there. And so you were kind enough to bump us back a little bit. Oh, it was perfect, man. It worked out. So, uh, but we made it here. We're, uh, we're doing our thing. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for rolling with the punches, man, and being on the show and reaching out and connecting through, uh, Zach Zyla for those who haven't heard his episode. He's on the show as well. Go back, listen to Zach, but that's how we made this awesome connection. I'm pumped to, to know more, man. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hell yeah, man. So for uh, people that might not know some of the things that you're up to out there, I didn't even mention some of the, the businesses, your band name or any of these things like that. So we'll, we'll definitely name drop these at least. But for people that don't, don't know you, they don't know your brands, your, your music and things like that. Do you want to just walk us through like, what are these things that you're up to? Like, how did they come into play? How did you get to where you're at? right now and, and just contextualize before we break down a bunch of different stuff throughout the, the night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always joke and say that my elevator pitch is like 10 minutes long. So I'm always, <laughs> I'm always trying to work on that just cause I got my hands in a lot of different pots and a lot of things happen to get to this point. Um, yeah. a lot of, a lot of folks know me from my band brother, Oliver. So me and my brother, Steven started that band, gosh, probably like eight years ago. Wow. And that was our, that was our lives. When I went to college, I actually left college with a two-year degree. I was supposed to get a four-year degree. And I said, you know, screw it. I want to just get out there. I don't want to waste two more years. You know, in my mind, waste two more years um, in school. Um, I just want to get out there, get my hands dirty, and get experience firsthand. And ended up being the right decision to do that, um, long story short. But so we did that. We jumped in and we just started playing music as much as we could, you know, scrapping for shows anywhere we could. And in my mind, I thought, you know, give me six months. I'm going to, I'm going to leave school. Give me six months. I'll be full time. I'll be able to make enough money to live. You know, it's going to take me a little time. That's why I was like, give me that six months. Of course, it ended up being like four years later before we got to the point where we could, you know, sustain ourselves and pay the bills. Um, so it was a journey to get there. So we did brother Oliver for, for years. We kind of grew that brand pretty well, grew a bit of a following around here started getting some, some big shows, some big opportunities, um, some recognition for what we were doing. Um, we played with, uh, the Steve Miller band and uh, a bunch of other bands like that, where, you know, people were starting to notice and all that time, you know, I, you know, as much as I'm passionate about music, I'm also been passionate about business and being creative in business and innovating in business. And so 
all that time that we're playing music, I still have those passions too. And I ended up starting this product called Dummies. So it's Dummies with a Z, which is a music accessory <coughs> product. That's a, it's a quarter inch dummy plug for mixers, all the quarter inch plugs on music gear. It's a dust plug, you know, protect it from spills or whatever. And so, you know, we're, we're playing, we're touring and I'm, I'm thinking one day, why doesn't this product exist? And I was looking online, I couldn't really find one like it. And so I decided to just make it. And so I launched that product, put a bunch, you know, we put a bunch of work into it first, of course, and we launched it and then started getting into some stores. People were ordering it online and it was just like a switch flipped in my brain where I was just the, just to create a product, launch it, see it do well. It just was so fulfilling hmm. and what, thrilling to me. What year was uh, that again, Andrew? Sorry to break you. No, you're good. Uh, I guess it would have launched in 2019, dummies. So not, okay. not, super, not super long ago. And that was something that you were on tour or something like that. And you're like, man, all this shit is getting into my pedal boards and things like that. And you recognize the need for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't find it out there. So you made it. And what, like, had you made other things in the past? Like, have you had any history uh, or experience in manufacturing physical goods in any way? No, no, not really. Everything I'd done was content to that point. Hmm. Um, That's really I mean, cool. I've, you know, I've, I'd probably toyed around with different things, but nothing that came close to like a, a finished product <laughs> or nothing I can really think of. Wow. Okay. I'm no, sorry to break you, but I wanted to just grab that real quick before I forgot. You went to school for a couple of years. You're like, I want to play music. I'm going to do this thing. And then you're after music. And then when you are performing and playing, you realize the need for this dummies product that you create in 2019. Mm-hmm. Feel free to go on from there. That's where I had sucked in so far of what was going on. Yeah. So I, I made that product. We launched it and, um, you know, it was like a switch flipped in my brain where I was like, this is super fulfilling. Cause everything I'd done at that point was all always music, always videos, always some kind of content. And so, you know, that was the first time I made something that was more, you know, transactional. It was more like business, you know, like it was a product that you would sell to a store and a consumer would buy it at the store. It was completely different right. than, you know, Hey, stream our song or watch our video. And so I ended up doing that. And then a guy local to Greenville, his name's Rick. Um, he, I forget how we really connected the first time, but he saw the dummy stuff going on. He thought it was a cool product. And he reached out to me and showed me some of what he was working on, which was the very beginnings of what is now Waves Custom, uh, which is custom fit in-ear monitor company that uses mm. 3D scanning from cell phones for the fitting. So you don't have to go to the audiologist. Mm. You just download the app. You scan your ears with your iPhone. Use that digital scan to create your custom mold. And so he wow. had an idea to make an earphone company using this technology. Um, and I was like, this is, you know, this is a great idea. I think this has a lot of potential. Long story short, he, he made an offer for me to come on as a, as a partner and a co-founder. Sure. And, and we started working on that in 2020. And so we, we built that up and ended up launching it less than a year later. And it, and it kind of took off like wildfire. Wow. So that, that company grew really fast and that kind of, it's still, it's still, you know, waves is still um, very busy to, to present. So that kind of takes us to the present day. There's some other stuff that I've got my hands in um, that I, you know, that have happened in the meantime, uh, like forthright records, which is our, our label that we started back in the day. Yeah. We do a lot of stuff there. Um, but yeah, the brother Oliver to dummies to waves and the forthright records always going um, amidst all of that. It's been kind of like my main ventures. And uh, I, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur at heart, I think. So I, I can't help myself. I'm always trying to start new things. And so I've got other things that are in development and things I'm always working on, but those are kind of the main things that kind of got me to where I am today. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's so cool, man. And like, as I, as a audio guy and a performer, having the ability to not go to the audio hall more than I already have to anyway, to be able to have those fitted like that, especially like people who are touring bands or something like that, that like need to get stuff at like, I've been in the situation where I've been on the road and I've had to order things and you have to try to like figure out the logistics of like how you can like intercept 
the mm-hmm. thing that you need to get. Like whether you're going to try to find a guitar center that's open and they probably don't have what you need anyway, or you're going to try to drop ship something to like the next venue or like whatever. Right. And that stuff is just crazy logistics and like impossible. And so on top of that, trying to find an audiologist or something like that, if you're trying to get some in-ears fitted, like maybe you broke yours or you wanted new ones or whatever, that ability to use the phone app, I mean, everything is utilizing that nowadays anyway. So that's like adding something to a piece of our industry that like really should have had that disruption, I feel like a while ago. So for you guys to brought that in uh, is so cool. You know, it's so important. Yeah, yeah. And we, we've actually run into that exact situation a bunch of times. So people will be like, hey, I need these, you know, in this city on this day. And, you know, we'll, you know most of the time, you know, we're able to work it out. Um, but it's because they don't have to go to the audiologist and get the, the molds. And, and, you know, it wouldn't be possible in that scenario. Right. Um, yeah. They're straight out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, really quick, so I can give them a shout out. I've got Andrew... Conroy drums saying using waves custom here in Ireland, an absolute game changer. Shout out to at Andrew Conroy drums. If you want to go follow him on IG. So thanks Andrew. Giving him some love, giving you some love. Uh, very cool. So one thing that I found like really helpful for people that do a bunch of different things, like people who are consistently creating businesses or like you where you're, you're playing music and performing and also creating content as a creative. That's like a different way to create. And then these businesses, all of these are just different creative outputs. And then you kind of like change your headspace or what you're trying to put in those spaces. I noticed that a lot of people that are in those ways I myself included, we have like these little like brands or different avenues that are like, uh, like I, I noticed like the forthright records, right? It's mm-hmm. like, how do these different hubs for you act as like little, uh, either like landing pads or like home bases or something for you to launch creative out? Like, how are you utilizing these different websites or different tools to output all of the ideas that you have, like what goes into the process of how you're figuring what, uh, what each is a vehicle for, I guess. I notice this it's, happens frequently where you have these little pillars and you use it to like launch out different things, different pieces of you because you do a bunch of different things and you're creative in different spaces. If I'm at all conveying what I'm trying to say, you know, no, it makes, no, it makes a lot of sense. It's a good question. And it's like, um, you know, it's like having all these different, it's almost like having all these different personalities, you know, you got all these different brands and they're all each are different. You know, yeah. some of they, these happen to have the common thread of music, which is nice. And so that makes it a little easier, but you know, there's a lot of times content wise, I'll make something I'm like, okay, do I want to put this on brother Oliver? Do I want to put this on forthright? Do I want to put it on my personal brand? You know, my personal page. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's always like that debate, like, where does this go? You know, sometimes it's not a debate. Sometimes it's, it's clear. Like, you know, if it's a brother Oliver video, you know, it's clearly a brother Oliver product or, but sometimes you hit that gray area where you're not sure, um, with, with waves and with dummies where it's like very product centric, it's a little easier because, you know, those pages are obviously about that product. Uh, so it's not necessarily going to be a place where plug in, you know, new music or stuff like that, where, you know, we, we certainly probably could because it's a lot of musicians and stuff like that. But I try and keep, you know, I try and keep that cleanliness, you know, um, but yeah, it can be tricky knowing which goes where. And, um, it's, it's very much, you know, my life is very much kind of turned into that of like a venture studio. So it's, you know, it's not a lot. Most people have like the one or two things they do, but it's like, I have to manage all these different, you know, it's like the children kind of where they each need their own individual attention. And yeah, some of them more attention than others in different seasons. But I like, I like having that diversity throughout my days because I'm, I'm definitely never bored. There's always something good happening between all of them, you know? So there's usually an exciting opportunity that falls on one of them at any given time, just because, you know, there's, we're putting feelers out all the time for all of them. Right. Um, Bandwidth. Yeah. And there's also always, you know, fires to put out with any given one. And so it kind of comes the good with the bad, uh, but it helps me stay sane, um, having different, different, all these different things to, to, to run and take care of. And it, it 
it pushes you and, and you have to learn where your limits are and you have to learn, you know, I'm trying to be a better delegator. That's really why I'm trying mm-hmm. to transition at this point in my career is, is, is not being hands-on with every little thing. It's just not realistic. So just trusting and not worrying about all the little things. That's where I'm trying to, to, to move more into as, as I get a little older. Yeah. I feel you there, man. That's definitely a difficult thing to do, especially when you're coming from a spot of like a founder or uh, creating something from the beginning. It's like difficult to separate the things that literally were you that created that. That's how it happened. Right. But also like moving to scale. It's like, that's tricky stuff, man. But uh, Mm. I feel you on um, keeping things interesting. Do you do anything uh, to compartmentalize either like days of the week designated for certain things or times of day designated for certain things? Or does it truly boil all of these things down to like what's priority tasks for all of them? Like, you know, when these fires come in, I'm going to address these fires in full or something like that. Like, how does it work for you in terms of your allocations when you're organizing yourself? Certain elements have somewhat structured schedules like waves you know we make a physical product we manufacture it in-house and so we have to have like an actual you know regiment as far as when we show up and do that work Um, and so we have a set schedule for that for the other things it's usually a little more fluid i've 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 bounced back and forth and i have debates you know because sometimes i'm like you know i should really like Nail, nail down my schedule to a T, like have everything on the calendar. You know, part of my brain wants to do that. Right. Cause I'm like, right. if I don't do that, things are going to fall through the cracks, which is, this is all, you know, a lot of times true. Right. So it, the more organized I can be, the more efficient I can be. But then on the other hand is that fluid side of my brain where I kind of listen to my gut instinct. I kind of roll with, you know, if I get a creative urge I'm going to follow that. I'm not going to be like, well, it's one o'clock and I'm supposed to be doing sales emails at one o'clock. So I'll just have to work on this, you know, creative inspiration later. It's like, that's right. not how, that's not how life works either. Right. So I tend to be more fluid and, you know, when things like fires come up, you can't control that a lot of the times. And so, you, you know, that can rip your attention away. Uh, just the same as like big opportunities or big wins. Those can pop up out of nowhere in any given day. And you have to obviously enjoy those and dive into those. And so I, I tend to be more fluid uh, across the board and just kind of listen to my gut instincts on what's the most important at the time. Sure. And, and, but you know, it, it comes with, it's all, you, you always got that in the back of your mind. Like, you know, should I be a little more organized? Should I be a little more strict on myself, but got to kind of, can't beat yourself up too much. No, man. At the end of the day, like every person has their own like perfect thing that works good. Like I know like one big thing for me when I was getting into, I don't know if you went through any of the miracle morning stuff or like different, all the different ways out there that people talk about like how to start your day. And what everyone says is like, you can't just read those books or like look at those morning routines and then just like do the routine. Cause like, it just Mm -hmm. doesn't work for everyone the same, like everyone needs to set up their day different. You know, like a lot of those things are very common between many, many, many people. So there's like common traits that work very well scaled across many different types of people. So that's something to take note of, but it's like, at the end of the day, like we all have different personality types. We have different strengths. We have different histories. There's different things that are going to make us work better and optimal way at what we're good at than other people. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I, what you're saying to me is very similar to the way that I operate where like there are some things that are on a strict schedule where it's like every single day that happens or every day, this day of each week, this thing happens or this whatever. Right. But there's a bunch of times where it's almost like planned fluidness where it's like, I specifically don't allow things to be booked in those spots for big blocks, but things like I was telling you before the show, things always end up in there, but it's like in that space, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When the week hits, like, I don't even, I don't know what's going to happen there, but then like opportunities come in or there's something that I want to like go aggressive on. I'm like, I want to make this thing happen this week or something I'm trying to do creative happens or whatever. And it's like having that fluidness to be able to just figure it out. It's like, 
I would say that it's probably pretty frustrating if you were like a business coach or something looking down on me when that stuff happens. But it's like that also lets me uh, have like these explosions of like growth as a creative because that's that's kind of what being a creative is, is like, is like the clash between those two sides of the brain is like, there's one brain. If you're, if you're a creative entrepreneur, which is what we're talking about on the show many times, it's like, there's one part of your brain that is like, all right, how do we find an income? How do we support our customers? How do I deliver on the results? How do I, all of that needs to be there. You have to have like your papers somewhere so that you know what the hell is happening. Right. But it's like, (laughs) the whole way that you became successful in the first place was that creative, that like sporadic, that like emotion, that subjective movement that you like need those like flow states and open spots and just sporadicness to pop. So I totally uh, feel what you're saying with your schedule. It's it's that's why I always ask questions like that. I'm always curious about like how other people set themselves up or like how they tick and uh, that works for me a lot the way that you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I heard it said once and don't quote me on it because I've, I've never really looked it up to really verify it. But I've heard that like you're most creative when you're bored. Hmm. And I like I said, I haven't really followed up on when I, after I heard that, but it, it kind of made sense to me because when I'm most rigid and most busy, I'm like the least creative. And right. You could say, well, well, you just don't have time to be creative, which is you know true in those moments. But Right. When, when I'm a little more loose with it, maybe just kind of like lounge. Like when I'm on vacation, I feel like I always write new songs when I'm on Same. vacation. Same. And so it kind of makes sense because on vacation, I get a little bored sometimes. It's like, how long are we going to chill on the beach? You know, like it's been a couple hours. Like, and then my mind starts getting into that space where it kind of wants to stimulate itself somewhere else and gets in that creative zone. Right. Right. That's so funny, man. I'm the same way on vacation. If it's specifically a beach. I, I did the best I, I have on my last trip of like actually sitting there and reading a book and chilling, but like, I, I need to do stuff and it's very rare for me to like actually chill in a chair for the whole day on the beach. I need to like go dig a hole or like jump in the water or like go try to capture something or t- I'm going to do some stupid shit, man. I like have to do stuff. So, but, uh, that's like a very, I never thought of it that way, but it makes perfect sense that you need boredom to create because it like basically puts your mind in some type of transit mm-hmm. to do something. Oh yeah. Past yeah, like yeah. over focusing. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, so I guess like when it comes to the physical brands, I mean, just real quick so that I don't forget about it because I know that I like earlier I just had asked that question about how when you're making the dummies portion for the first time, you had never made a physical product and then here you are with the waves and that's also a physical product. Like what were some of the things that you'd recommend for creatives out there that maybe they're coming from the all content background, they're coming from the all digital and they have no idea like what, what things helped you learn to create physical items like that? Or what would you recommend to people out there who, uh, you know, like waves, like, you know, dummies is a, is still complicated. I'm sure in the design of it Mm -hmm. to figure out what is this and how does this work and these things, but then a step further, I mean, waves is like a full, it's literally, I'm sure it has multiple, uh, it's got a lot going on to be able to function. So it's like, that's, that's quite a step up even more. Do you have any advice for people out there that maybe they've thought about wanting to create some idea that they're like, Hey, there's a need for this in the market, but like I straight up have no experience or time that I've given to creating a product, any things that you learned along the way or advice that you give those people to like get started or start figuring that way out if they've never done it before. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing is first, you know, just getting up and starting the process of doing it, you know? So if you have the idea, getting it past that idea stage is where most people fail, to be honest. You know, I, I talk to people all the time and by nature of what I do, you know, people are usually like, oh, that's so cool. You know, you have these ideas and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm always surprised by how many folks will tell me something like, you know, me and my, my brother had this idea in college and we thought it was a great idea, but we never pursued it. Now we regret it. I hear yeah. that. I hear that almost like it feels like almost more times than not. And it's, and I'm always just curious why, you know, what, what is it that keeps 
people from trying, I guess? And I know there's a lot of answers to that question. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of challenges and, and making new products is hard. But the yeah. first step is just putting yourself out there and, and trying to build that prototype, that minimum viable product. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, it doesn't, uh, it, it probably will require a lot less than you think. Um, while also requiring in a way more than you think, if that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> um, let me clarify a, a lot of times you think, Please. you think, you know, with a product, it's going to take millions of dollars. You know, I can't make this product. I don't have millions of dollars. You know, I don't even have, you know, thousands of dollars. How could I make this product? I don't have a laboratory. I don't have, you know, suppliers. It's like, well, you'd be surprised what you can piece together if you're determined. And mm. if, and if, you know, you work with what you have, you know, like with Apple computers and Steve Wozniak, he, you know, he was broke when, when they, they developed the Apple computer. And the reason they were able to develop it with as few chips as they were able to do was not because that was like their original mission. They didn't afford any more chips. So they're like, this is all the chips we can afford. So we got to find a way to make it work with just these few chips. And yeah, that ended up yeah. being revolutionary. Not, not comparing anything that what we do to, to Apple or anything like that, but that mindset of like just working with you with what you have and not being afraid to work with what you have is going to be your first step. Um, and then, and then I would say, you know, find, find the support, fill in the holes with the, uh, where you lack skill and ability with, with other people who might see the vision, you know, uh, with dummies, I didn't do that by myself. You know, I had other people. I had uh, my friend, Paul, he helped me with the the brand name and the design, the initial designs. And then, uh, my friend, Chris helped me with the first prototypes where we 3d printed them in like a hard plastic. And then my friend Todd, he came in and he really took it to the next level with the detailed 3D modeling. And, you know, there's all these different people that, that were involved because, you know, they were excited about the, the product and the idea of the product. Same with Wage. You know, I obviously, you know, I, Rick, that, Rick had the idea for the technology and I just came in and helped develop that further with him. And we, we were able to sure. build that, that, that product. So, you, you know, you can't always do it by yourself. And, and I'd say most of the time you, you need to find other people who bring those other skill sets to the table. But if you're excited about the product and if it is uh, legitimately a product that the market needs, other people will see that vision too. And they'll be happy to, to be excited about it with you and perhaps, you know, put time and effort into it as well. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. That's such good. That's such a good way to talk through some of those things. So like, pulling things out of there, like, first off, like, I think it's a very known or, successful concept to uh create with constraint right like constraint uh and adversity makes us create our best art and our best business just like you're talking about the chips and like all these other things all these other businesses when you hear their stories or how people start up it's almost like that pressure above them like that lack of tools the lack of things makes them get creative and that's like what pushes them outside the box because they have no other option. So they have to think like way out and that, that gets them to think in a way that brings in these ideas that are really, really fresh and disrupts. So like creating with constraints is uh, something that I think has made a lot of people successful. And then like, I think you were talking about uh, like working with other people that probably is something that stops a lot of people because they think that they have to do something on their own entirely, or they might not know how to do it, but then they don't have uh, a way or they, they might be afraid of it not working or afraid of reaching out to people and, and things like that. So it's cool to hear like, you know, for me from the outside, when I see these products, I know that you had talked about being a co-founder with that other gentleman for the waves portion, but like seeing on the outside of dummies and things like that, you don't know that there's a bunch of different people that did all those different processes with you and like that it took time and you don't see all these different things. You just see the finished product. Right. You don't see that you didn't come from a background of manufacturing and building and your father and your father's father's father had built things by hand for generate. You don't see any of these things. You just see the product. So you don't see how mm -hmm. it happens and that it just, be, it was just something that you wanted to create, you believe should exist. And then working with people in multiple versions, then you come up with 
something that actually exists. And that's probably why it felt like that to you where you're saying it felt completely different because you had just done something that was like, yeah, like straight up, this thing just happened from an idea to this thing, but it was a different cultivation than I've ever done before. Like I did with music where I've been cultivate the idea and I pull it out the same way. You know, I'm used to that. Whereas this is a different way that I had an idea and sometimes somehow that became something in real life again, but I cultivated that through a completely different method than I had done before. Absolutely. That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. And with, with music and with art, like, you know, if you're creating like a video or a song, there's kind of, at least for me, you know, I rarely have the vision of the finished song first. You Mm -hmm. kind of, I always create it as I go. Right. So like I, some things I envision out the gate, like a lead melody or a certain set of chords. Sure. But the exact color of it and texture of it kind of takes shape as you create it. Right. Whereas some of some of those principles also apply with physical products for sure. But there is with physical products, there's like it has to fit into the mold of the problem you're trying to solve. You can't you can't be like, oh, I'm gonna create a, a dummy plug and halfway through be like, oh, we just decided to create, you know, a new style microphone or, you know, it's like that you can't divert at all. Right. So, right. <laughs> you know, you still have to solve that core problem. That's interesting. I like straight up didn't think about that that way. So basically what you're saying is that in your process for creating a song, it's not like you have pre-planned exactly how that song is going to happen. Cause you also mm-hmm. don't have to, because maybe you have some type of intent for like the mood or the vibe or something, but it doesn't have to be a specific thing. Whereas when you're straight up engineering something or designing a physical product to serve an exact purpose, right? It does have to fulfill that purpose, even though it could change a bunch of different ways throughout that. It can look different. It can be a different material, blah, blah, blah. The end goal, it has to be this thing. You know what the end goal is ahead of time. And you're trying to find the road there. Whereas the song, you have no idea what the end goal is. You're right. just creating and you're seeing like, what is this going to happen for what this becomes? That's exactly. really interesting. That's total different pieces of the brain or different way to uh, plan out your, your process, I guess, for that. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've actually uh, got a, a software piece of SaaS software in development software as a service. Mm, yeah. uh, I, w- I won't get into like the weeds uh, as far as like the exact, you know, exactly what it does right now, but we know what it's supposed to do. And the developer that we're working with, it's like, there's so many different ra- roads to take to get there in that, in the tech world. It's like, so we use this coding language. Should we use this tech stack? We, it's, it's crazy how many different roads you could take, but we know what it has to do at the end. Wow. And so, yeah. and that, that's the part that keeps, keeps us sane. That's cool, man. Yeah. And so this, this really reminds me a lot of the, uh, we've had Jay Moss from, uh, he's just an awesome recording engineer and uh, guitarist from Defeater, but also uh, started Monster, which is like an AI based mastering software that like doesn't actually shit all over your audio. It sounds awesome. Kudos to him. Interesting. But What's he, it called again? Monster, M-A-A-S-T-R. Okay. It's really good, man. I've used it a bunch. And so uh, with him, same thing though, man, he partnered with a software engineer to help him create this, but it's like using his brain of being a mastering engineer forever and mastering music and the things that he would naturally think of working with this to create this, but it's the same way for him where he had never thought to like create software before. He also has zero skill set in that past, like doing some IT and like, uh, like learning basic things himself, but not anything to that capacity. But his journey into figuring those things out. It sounds like the same way where it's like, uh, just like any, any business, it's just like the idea itself. You're so hooked on, I need this thing to exist. And then you're driving, like, how do I make this thing exist? And then Mm -hmm. the ways to do it. But, uh, that's cool, man. It's, it's fun picking that apart because everything that I do, even like right now I'm working on making like a clothing line, Uh, that's like way left field for me. Like I've never, like I've done like merch and stuff forever for my bands and like forever I've designed things like that. But like, this is like really, really custom, like alternative kind of like street punk clothing. Okay. And um, it's fun for me because it's so different because I am dealing with a physical product where like now I have to worry about like different fabrics or like different process of like cut and sew for like how, if this can't be a screen printed thing, like how does this, 
happen. And then like those challenges are just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. They're just things that have nothing to do with anything that I work on. And, and I'm sitting there like, I have no fucking idea. And it's like very fun for me because even though like I have an insurmountable of things that I need to learn to be a better audio engineer, to be a better producer, to be a better musician, to be all the things that I, I need to be that a million times. I have so much to learn, but it doesn't stop you from getting into different routines and things like that, or different go-tos or your different vocal, whatever, right? This, I have no go-to. I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's making me be creative again in a different way. And that's also spilling backwards into the other stuff. It's kind of like pouring new life in because it's like a new, a new vibe of creative, at least like pouring backwards into the music stuff to make me think completely differently or try to challenge something or whatever. And so I find that just like anywhere that you're trying to create that, it's just so helpful to pour into like all the pots of creative when you're able to just keep that vibe going to, to, no matter what it is. But I like being in a new medium that you're not used to yeah. working with. Yeah. It's healthy. I think for your brain, it's like, you got to use those muscles. It's like exercise. If you don't exercise, you know, you got to exercise your muscles. You got to exercise your brain and put yourself in those places where it's like, I don't know literally anything about this industry, about this, you know, this Avenue. And you're just like a child again. You got to learn from the ground up and build a foundation. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I, and I like specifically that you said like a child again, because I feel like having that, uh, having that curiosity where you see no judgment is like the ultimate, like any, if you can ever get that as an adult, that childlike curiosity where they straight up don't, they're like, they don't like to the point where they could get hit by a car. You know what I mean? They straight up, they don't know danger. They don't know that people are making fun of them. They have no idea. They're just going to try something. They literally thought about an idea and they're trying something right now. And then they're learning from it any way that you can get that in adult life, fucking do it, dude. It is like, that is the most important resource that you could ever have in your life is if you can find that and just do that all the time. It's so helpful. Heck yeah. Yeah. It's that, that's the best place to be. All right. I would be remiss if we didn't talk about this because when you started talking about it a little bit, uh, before we started up on the show, it got me pumped up a little bit. And it sounds really lame, but we were talking about finance. Don't shut this off. Be entertaining. Okay. It's not like we're not talking like the seven accounting courses I took in my master's boring shit finance. We're going to talk about, uh, Andrew said that, uh, basically a way of getting creative and getting like clever with your finances to be able to make things work no matter kind of like what stage in whatever you're up to it is essentially. Is that kind of what you have? On yeah. 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 I'd we love were to talking. hear more on that, man. Just different, different ways to think about that. Cause I talk about finance on here sometimes, but I would love to hear your take on that and like kind of some of the things that you've seen work and not work for you to, uh, to help you go through what you've been doing, all these different things. Yeah. Yeah. I know we were chatting online, uh, you know, like a couple of weeks ago and I think I had mentioned it was a, a pet peeve of mine. Um, and pet peeve might be a little harsh, but, um, you know, musicians always complain about how hard it is to make money and make a living playing music. And they're hundred percent right to complain because it is brutally hard. Um, I, I think Mark Cuban even said music industry is the hardest industry in the world, like number one. And as an ex you know, full-time musician, like it was hard, yeah. very hard. Um, yeah. but there's a lot of hard industries. It's, it's hard to make money doing just about anything when you, when you really break it down. Um, and with, with musicians, I feel like sometimes there's more hope than there's given credit for. And that, that's, I guess what, where the pet peeve comes in. And a lot of it has to do with structuring. Um, and, and it's different for everyone. You know, there's, there's no magic potion or magic formula, especially when you're in like a band where you got maybe a lot of members, five members. And yes, you know, when you're playing a show and you make, even if you make a few hundred bucks, once you split it up between everyone, it's like there's not much left at the end of that, um, let alone the gas to get to the gig and all, you know, I have all the variables that come with being a musician. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, 
I guess when I was a musician, I was like, yeah, this is really hard to make money. And I just kind of accepted that. But then when I got into other forms of business that I was trying to make from the ground up, I was like, man, it's hard to make money doing just about anything. You know, it's not like, it's not like you can just snap your fingers in any industry and people are just pouring money down on you, you know, unless, unless you strike some kind of oil. Um, Yeah. Yeah. and And so being, being someone who works with hundreds of musicians every year, like with forthright, you know, we work with so many musicians. I have so many conversations with different musicians, usually someone different every day I'm talking to, it feels like. And it really comes down to just being structured and, and finding those revenue streams. So, you know, if you're a solo musician or you're in a smaller group, like a duo, and you can get those gigs where you're getting two, $300 a gig, you know, you can actually piece together a pretty, a, a pretty decent uh, construct in that model. You know, um, if, if you're able to get the gigs um, with with other musicians, you might have to get more creative. Like I was saying, if you're a, a band with five, six members, that's, you know, even a two, three hundred dollar gig is going to be yeah. split, splintered away. I and mean, if you're killing the merch, it still adds up. I mean, that's exactly. a lot of people. It's more people to feed. It's more people to pay straight up. And it's real. Yeah. <laughs> more. Yeah. Equipment. And, you know, to those, to those, I'd say, you know, it's like you have to innovate with money sometimes just like you have to innovate with your music, with, with anything and finding the, those, those paths. Um, it, it's kind of like creating a new business in and of itself. You know, I think people expect the music industry and they think it's like a job, you know? So if you apply to be, you know, a, a cashier somewhere, you know, you're going to get a certain hourly rate and, and however many hours they give you, that's what you're going to get paid. Right. With music, there's not like a set job title. You can't just apply for, I mean, unless you're in like a, a teacher or a session player, that's different. But like from a creative original music standpoint, but there's pretty not much like, no. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like plug and play, you know, salary for you there. You have to create that. And so being creative, I've, I've seen, I've seen different ways where people have done it. And, um, you know, especially with, with, you know, how many breweries and places like that there where you can play and make a decent way. And again, I know that's not for every genre, you know, not every, not every band can go into a brewery and, and be booked, you know, it can be kind of a niche genre. Um, but I always encourage people to, to, to look for those opportunities and be creative when it comes to the money, if they want the money, you know, you don't have to do it for money either. You can do it for a passion. You can do it. But if, if, if you want to do it for money, you have to, open up that side of your creative brain to find ways to make that money. And once right. you, once you find something that works, even if it's just like, Oh, I did this one thing and it made $10. Well now duplicate that, you know, like replicate that, that, that formula, whatever it is, if it shows then it's that if it's merch, then it's that, you know, it's there, there's ways there's math involved, you know? And so I'm, I'm kind of going, I'm rambling a little bit, but I'm not, I haven't cracked the code. You know, of course, of course I haven't cracked the code fully or, or, you know, everybody I know who's a musician would be making six figures right now. But. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know, I know you were just saying that you thought you were rambling or something like that, but I, I don't, I think that you said a, a very, I think that you said it the clearest that you can in terms mm-hmm. of you're very right. Where like, I, I think I've said this before too, where, I remember very much when I got out of college and I just didn't know any better. Like I just didn't know any better. And I I probably wasn't right when I got out of college because by then I pretty much did know better. But like when I was early in college, I would just try to like send a resume. And I just remember like learning really quickly that like the less that I showed a resume, the less that I like said that I was in college for audio the better I did because people like didn't give a shit that I went to college. They didn't give a shit what my resume looked like is a formal resume or anything like that. They want to know what have you done? It doesn't matter. Or mm-hmm. are, are you good at it? They do not give a shit about anything. And that's, that was my like first entrance of going like, Whoa, this industry is way different. Like, like I cannot listen to like what my friends say or like what my, what my dad says or something like that in, in these different industries that, things that work for them. It's, it's not the same here. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a different world here. And, uh, I think the way that 
made me feel like very clear and concise about the way that you were explaining it is that you were just very uh, punctual in saying like, you're, you're in charge essentially. Mm-hmm. Like you need to come into here and know that you're the one that's creating this income for you. And so if you're unhappy about it, it's be- maybe take a look at like, what are you doing personally? Because I feel like it, just like you were prefacing earlier, this industry is so hard. It is exhausting. There's a lot of industries that are, there's a lot of creative ones specifically that do flock together and are just difficult industries. You know, mm-hmm. we all love it enough. If you're in it, we all love it enough. We've clearly decided that we like that pain more than other pain. I always say like, pick what shit you want to deal with every day. Like what's the thing that you don't like to deal with the least during the day? Cause everyone's going to have problems. Everything's going to be hard. Right? So what, mm-hmm. what are you like dealing with? I like dealing with the, the, risk dude of like, maybe I'm not going to have my income. I like dealing with like the, uh, ups and downs, like the crazy I'm winning like crazy. And then I'm losing like crazy. I love that. You know, that works for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but like knowing that when you're coming into an industry like this, you're in charge, it's your, Mm -hmm. what are, what are you creating? And so I feel like the people that are unhappy and just bitch, 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 and are unhappy Mm -hmm. about it straight up. And they're like, the ones that are giving up because they're saying this is not possible. It's impossible. It's awful. It's whatever. They are the ones that are not taking any action or looking anywhere or talking to anyone about what they are creating personally, because say it's just like gig, right? Like maybe that works for you. You're getting enough income from the gigs. You still have to like create the brand of your band. You still have to create a schedule. You have to book those gigs. You have to, do things that make it so that those are happening, right? Like you still have to create that income because it's not like the venues just sit there and they go, okay, cool. You're this type of band. Let me just fill up your calendar for the year. And actually right. every one of them pays you $150. So just do the math. And that's going to be this. Cause that's your paycheck. It's like, just like you're saying, you have to put it together. And one thing that I'll, I've, I'll, I'll say even that too, like just looking at what you're up to, what I'm up to just every time I talk to every friggin' musician on the road, dude, it's also usually put together by many different income streams or many different little things. And it's kind of pieced together into this beautiful little thing where it's like, you want to be in a position, just like when you're talking about like being an investor and you're talking about like, you know, spreading out the risk between your portfolio. If you're not an investor type, then that's totally cool. But like, it's the same thing with your income streams as a creative. It's like, you need to put yourself in a position when you're on these crazy roller coaster rides, right? Because it's going to be bad months and good months and good seasons and bad seasons and whatever, right? You need to have different income streams be able to get wiped out, or you need to have things that, like, all of a sudden this thing can do really, really, really good because it's so different from this other thing. And they can all be in your world where it's like, if you're this type of music, you're this type of brand, and you're good at this thing, it's all good to like be in that world. But like, I encourage people to a, just like what Andrew is saying, you're saying you have to create it. You're responsible for this. You can hundred percent do it, but it is going to be hard, but you have to create it and then be diversify that risk, diversify where, okay, so I'm getting money from gigs. I'm getting it from merch. I'm getting it from maybe I'm making content and I'm getting a brand deal or I'm making it from, I don't even know. I can do audio production. I can make custom drums. I can make, things that plug into the (laughs) my pedal boards when I'm on tour. And that's a problem for me. You know, these are the things where it's like, you're responsible, you're in charge. That's kind of like what I heard from it. Not in a dickish way. Like I'm saying it like Andrew, you said it in a much more romantic, nice way, but still straightforward and punctual to the point. That's kind of what I got that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe a little more clear way for me to put it, um, which I was, I was kind of trying to form that thought in real time on the air. Cause I, I, uh, you know, this is a subject I think about a lot, but I've never like written my thesis on it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But you know, like when we were full time, you know, we didn't make, you know, just like every musician, it was a struggle to pay the bills and looking back and, you know, at the time we're like, man, this is really tough. You know, we're struggling to pay the bills. Anybody would react that way. This is tough. Yeah. Looking yeah. at any business that's, you know, cause we've only been doing it a couple of years. It's like, we were bringing in revenue, 
You know, like a lot of businesses just bringing in revenue is cause for celebration because it takes so much work to get to that point. And so it's right, right. instead of being like, oh, we're not making enough revenue. This is so disappointing. It's like, how long have you even, you know, it's like you've only been at this a couple of years and you're bringing in any revenue. That's amazing. Now find from original ways to, music. Yeah. Now be, find That's ways dope. to be more efficient, you know, be, you know, and, and so on and so forth. You go from there. It's kind of like cup half full, half empty kind of kind of vibe, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was my two cents on it. It's, you know, music's always going to be a tough industry for sure. But I, I, I look at the, the, the cup half full and, and, and try to at least. That last comment though, about how a business, I mean, for people out there, I think the average is like three years. Like mm-hmm. usually businesses don't even see a profit in like three years, mm-hmm. like so, or five years. So that's such a great way to look at it when people are getting in their head where they're like, shit, man, I know that. So maybe they like take accountability. They're like, all right, I got to create my income as a musician, but they're not making what they want to make. They're not full time. They're whatever. That's such a great point to be like, dude, you've only done this for like this amount of years and you're bringing in income from your own business, from your own songs, from your own music or anything like that. That's amazing. And that, if anything, is an indicator to you that you 100% can figure it out, but you just need to figure it out. Right. And then like the other side of it is like what I said earlier, where it's like, make yourself bulletproof, like kill, kill your overhead. If you, if you, if you don't make a lot of money, make it so that you don't have to make a lot of money. And then you can do the thing that you want to do. It's like, it literally is that simple, but then life is fucking complicated and it throws all this other bullshit in that makes these things not a linear thing. Like we just said, you know, so crazy shit. Indeed. And well, put. well put. Thanks, man. All right. So I always ask the, uh, the same questions at the end of the podcast. Uh, so that that way, every hundred episodes, I can kind of like see what a bunch of creative entrepreneurs and, and people think in reaction to them. Are you cool to, uh, to get hit with some of these? Sure. Let's do it. All right. First one I sometimes get throughout the podcast, but I like asking pointed at the end, which is why do you wake up and do the things that you do instead of any other thing that you could wake up and do on this earth? Cause I love it. I love it. I don't do anything I don't love to do. And I can honestly say that, you know, there's, there's certain elements within each thing that isn't super fun, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, putting out fires, or, you know, different things you have to do, but everything I do is something I love to do. And yeah. I'm, that's the thing I'm most grateful for, you know, and any, any financial success, any, you know, recognition, like that's all cool, but I love that I can do what I love. And so that's why I do the things I do. Facts. That's awesome, man. Um, nothing better in the world than that. Along the way, say you could tell like five years ago, you or 10 years ago, you not to do a thing. What would you say not to do? Like you learned a lesson from it maybe, but like it kind of wasn't worth it or it like really sucked, even though you learned from it. I would tell myself if I could go back like five years. Sure. That it not everything has to be perfect and it's okay to, to, you know, get more help from others. Like we talked about earlier. Hmm. Um, one of my favorite, favorite things I tell myself and I'd, I'd say it to other people too. I don't know if you'd call it like a creative rule or something along those lines, but if it's, if something, and, it, and you got to take it with a grain of salt, but like for me, if something is 95% correct or perfect, but, but there's still that 5% I'm unsure of, then it's done. Hmm. Cause you'll never, you'll never get that last 5%. You think you can, you think, Oh, if I just work a little more on it, it's not quite there. It's like that yeah. last 5%, you have to let it go. Cause you'll be working on everything forever and never get, you know, you'll work way too slow. Yeah. yeah. Um, or destroy so, it or destroy it. You take it too far. Like with mixing audio, mixing, you, constant, yeah, you, dude. you mix past the mix, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. That's actually where the rule came from for me is cause I, I mix our songs and, and I would mix past them. I would, I would get a mix. I think sounded good and I'd be like, but it could sound just a little better. And then 
fast forward three hours and I'm like, man, did I hope I saved that mix three hours ago? Cause this yeah. mix sounds like trash now. Oh dude, I've been there so many times and it just feels terrible. Yes. Yes. So that mixing is where I got that mindset from. And I've applied that to, to everything I do. And it's such a game changer. It's such a stress reliever. And for me, I'm, I'm, I can be so such a perfectionist. I would, I wish I could have got a head start on that me- mentality, you know, five years ago for sure. Yeah. So I do like a lot of renovation too, like in homes and Meg, my wife will stop me from like, like I have like these OCD urges where I'll be like, this fucking has to be perfect. You know, when I'm working on something and there's many times it's like framing or subfloor or like, it's like shit that you will never, ever, ever see. No one will ever see it. It literally has no relevance to the entire world. Like it's something that's like off a little bit. And I'm, I might be like, well, it's going to be a little bit drafty here. Like some of this is, you know what I mean? Like, like I start chasing that 5%. You fucking can just chase that 5% down into the darkest caverns of life, dude. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sometimes you're just like, and Meg will sit there and I'm sitting there like bashing something into place. And she's like, it doesn't matter. No one in the world will ever care about it. And you are just chasing this for yourself. And like that, being able to say that to yourself is like so important, dude, because I feel like a lot of people that make them really great at what they make, it is the fact that they recognize that 5% and the 95%, they recognize how they could make it perfect. That's like what makes it so that they are perfect. Mm-hmm. And what they do is that they have the ability to recognize that they are unable to and able to continue to chase perfection. I feel like that friction is what makes their work actually perfect to everyone else on the outside. But being able to like inside yourself, step back again and then recognize to cut it there. That's like a whole nother challenge, my man. Like that is oh, yeah. definitely where the masters become the masters. Yeah. I, that's such a that mentality has been so helpful for me and I wish, you know, I wish more people, I, th- I feel like it could help a lot of people, you know, cause you meet people a lot of times, especially with musicians. Sometimes you meet a musician, they've got like all these songs recorded and, and I'm like, you haven't released a single one. They're like, no, none of them. No, no, they're not, they're not and, done yet. And it's like, dude, they'll never be done. Yeah. They, they will never be newsflash. They will never be done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so you might as well put them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Real quick, I gotta give him a shout out because he said hi. So I've got Zane Pugh, who is actually another awesome audio engineer. Uh, miss you, Dave, at class right now, but figured I'd say hello. What's up? And I think you bumped right back in class, my man, but I really appreciate you. Um, flip side to that, dude. So what is say five years ago, you ten years ago, what is something that you did where you're like, do this thing? This is the best idea I've ever had, or like the best idea I've had in a while. Man, I mean, we've touched on a lot of things that I'm proud of um, as far as personally, Um, you know, the brother Oliver that just going for that against so many odds. I'm proud of that. Me and my brother, Steven, you know, I told him he was always fully on board, but I was kind of the one that was like, we got to do this. You know, I convinced him like like he left school early, too. You know, I I kind of pushed him in that direction. And in hindsight, in hindsight, it's kind of like. That could have been kind of a lot, especially if we failed or if we struggled in life after that, like forcing him to kind of change his college career. I didn't force him, you know, he made his own decisions. But yeah, like yeah. Pushing him in that direction, you know, I would feel really bad if for some reason life didn't play out the way that it did, you know. But I'm so proud that we took that leap and we went for it because, you know, we, we just had this existential belief that if we go after music, original music as a career, good things are going to happen. And to be honest, we had no reason to really believe that other than just the fact that we did straight up, you know, like it was just a gut feeling kind of thing. And we went for it. And, um, you know, he's been, you know, everything we've been talking about, he's been a really influential part of as well. Steven, my brother, um, you know, he's my partner in forthright. He's helped a lot with dummies. He, works uh he's he's actually a partner at waves with us as well he, he cool. joined he, we brought him on 
and he's really a key factor with operations there. And, you know, so I know we're randomly talking about my brother right now, but he needs to get a little shout out because he's, yeah, man. That's he's, cool. uh, he's deserving of it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, if I could go back 10 years, something I'm proud of is just going after music the way we did. Cause it, it really did open all the doors. Cool, man. Yeah. it's like building your ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, uh, so if you had like a superpower as like Andrew Oliver, not like superpower, like Marvel superpowers, like the ones in the movies, but like what makes Andrew a superhuman in real life? Like, what would it be? What would people say about you? If I had, if I had to, like, if I had a superpower, like in real life, what would it be kind of deal? Like based on the way I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like you as an actual person, not like uh not like invisible or flying or something like that, but like, what would people say Andrew Oliver's superpower is as a person? See what I, the immediate answer that popped in my head. I don't know if other people would necessarily say it. I don't sure. know how much, how, I don't know how much they see it. Um, but I think if like my secret super skill is to be able to change gears very abruptly and often and mm-hmm. not miss a beat, like that would be my secret strength. I think, so yeah, I can, yeah. I can hop between tasks. Like a lot of times that's problematic. If you're hopping between two tasks too much, it can, you know, it's inefficient on its face. Right. Right. I think I'm su- surprisingly good at it. If I had a superpower, I think it would be that, that I can switch gears constantly and, and not lose the overall flow. Sure. I am not that way. Usually I need to be in my, I you need to be like on something. I'm good at like, I'm good at making, I'm good at making stressful, like it can be big things like mixed in terms of like, I could make a real estate thing, an investing thing, a music thing, an audio thing. Uh, I don't even know the, all the different things that I do. I could make those decisions. I can make them in the same conversation or while I'm doing the other one, I can make those decisions. I'm capable of that. But for me to perform best, I do get derailed hard. I, I wouldn't function like you when I have to like change those gears. I have to like set it up so that, that way it works right. I'm not like a, I'm, I'm not a good gear shifting machine, you know, where it actually moves sure. between the gears. I have to, I'm in more of an old school machine. I have to like take it and like move it and like reset it or something like that. So it's got the right setup, but. <laughs> well, you probably get, you know, you, you know, each, I think each approach approach has its pros and cons for sure. You know, yeah. um, you know, when I'm, you can't, you can't, um, downplay the power of being in a flow state and being locked in on something for a long, like you cannot downplay that power. You know, um, I think I probably just because I'm good at bouncing around, I do miss out on that, those flow states sometimes. Um, but I, I I don't know. I think I've harnessed my scatterbrain ways in a very unique way where I can have my attention bouncing all over the place and still be highly productive at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got it, man. All right. So what would be a uh, resource that you'd recommend to the audience? It could be a podcast, YouTube video, a book, a website. Is there anything that you'd recommend people should check out? It can be in any of the spaces that we talked about today. Man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of, of learning about, people's experiences and learning from those experiences. And so I'll dive into, it isn't really a specific resource. I don't know if it's like a cop out answer, but that's cool. um, Like, for example, I mentioned was Steve Wozniak and Apple and how he did so much with the few chips. The only reason I knew that is because I've been on like a kick lately, just like learning all about his life. Hmm. And there's so many, there's so many, so I'm listening to like every interview I could possibly find about him. I just, kind of like get these obsessions about these individuals. Yeah. Um, that's, I've, I've learned so much from those. Um, I, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. It's just, there's something about, you know, listening to the lives of achieved people who went through hardship and made things out of nothing. That's, that's one of the things I learned the most from and find the most beneficial. I don't know. That's not, you know, again, that's not like a no, specific no, resource, dude. but no, that's awesome. I'm super about that too. And I've also like, who have I been on? 
um, Thomas Edison. I've been going mm. like old. I want, uh, for some reason, I've been on a kick of like researching um, like early inventions in like the 19, like the early 19s that I feel like also, like I, I think I was like looking at like the Ford truck and then looking at the other Ford truck and I was like, dude, this fucking happened insanely fast. Like <laughs> literally like a hundred years and this is this thing. And it's like, or like the light bulb, you know what I mean? So I started going back and I was like, I want to just read more in depth. And I was reading audio autobiographies on some of these people, but it's interesting to hear, like, it's a total different thing where like you read in the history class that you're taught or like just the overarching thing. Like we all know this thing about this person, right? There's such a difference between that. And then like hearing, like we're talking right now, like the day-to-day life of like one specific situation that happened to this person when they were like the same age as me or something like that. And a thing that happened, you learn a whole different context of like how this person thought or acted or like, what did this person be like, what were they like in real life? When you start reading and learning, like, like you're researching the the interviews, it's like, that's a total different, uh, like perspective and like bigger, better understanding of like, when you hear and see real life situations of these creatives and of these business people that are absolutely crushing it. I feel like the contextualization of that is so different that I'm a oh, huge yeah. fan of what you're saying. I'm the same way, man. I'm, I'm so I'll get clicked in. i be like, what was this person's life like? And then when you research it, you're like, this is so much different than I thought It's mm-hmm. so different than I thought for how things happened or how they got formed. And now it kind of makes sense to me, like why this person is so good at this thing. Cause they, are this way. It's, it's cool, man. I love that shit. Oh yeah. And you you end up learning that you're going through a lot of the same things, you know, Exactly. Um, you can, you know, there's a lot of parallels that you can find and it's, it's encouraging for sure. It is. Last is just, where do we keep up with you, man? I I know that we'll put the, for people who are listening to this, we'll have it in the uh, show notes so people can click all the links to see what Andrew's up to, but just auditorily, do you want to just shout out some links that people keep up with you on? Yeah. If you go to uh, my Instagram, which is at flipping Oliver, F L I P P I N Oliver. Um, that's my Instagram. You can follow me there. And I have a link in my bio with, you know, all the links to waves, dummies, forthright, all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, waves, wavescustom.com, dummies, get dummies.com, brotheroliver.com. But they're all on my Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn too. If, if people like to connect there, I'm always happy to connect. Sick. Cool, man. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show, man. This was like an awesome, awesome episode going into stuff that we haven't talked about before in the show. And that's what I'm always looking for. So appreciate you. Well, man. I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Hell yeah. Yeah.